Well, welcome everybody. We have a very special guest with us tonight, Randy McStein. Hello. Is a songwriter, correct? A guitarist, vocalist, keyboard player, all around stellar musician. Wow. Yeah, we're going to speak highly of you. Great. <laughs> Great. I need it. I yes. really need it. <laughs> he has worked with some of the best drummers in prog rock scene, including Marco Miniman and Gavin Harrison, members of Tears for Fears and King Crimson. Uh, his uh, upcoming tour with Porcupine Tree is sure to be sensational. He's just flown in from the UK for rehear- from rehearsals yeah. for that. So, Randy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. We're excited to have you. This is cool. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we're just going to ask you a few questions. We're going to get right to it. We also have some other things in store I think we've prepped you for. I'm excited. So, yeah. So, yeah. As, as a drummer, I have to ask you how you and Gavin connected. I'm very curious about mm-hmm. how, that, how that came to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's what I would call serendipitous. Uh, some people who maybe believe in other things might say it's some sort of fate thing. But um, I was, this was 2011, it was, uh, January 2011. Uh, I was going to California for the first time uh, to visit some family out there and to attend the NAM show, which is something that sure. I always just was curious about. And I never okay. really had an excuse to go there. And I was like, ah, this is the year I'm going to go to the NAM show. Mm-hmm. So I was hanging out in L.A. Uh, for a few days prior to the NAMM show. Went to my cousin's uh, workplace or whatever, and he was busy. He said, why don't you just go walk around town? Um, Hollywood Boulevard's a couple blocks away. So, yeah, I just went out sightseeing, basically. And um, I'm walking around, and I'm walking down the street, and then I see Gavin Harrison coming the other way. And at this point, I was... I guess about 20, 21, something like that. And, uh, you know, really big fan of Porcupine Tree. And at that time, I didn't realize that they were at the beginning of what became a 12-year hiatus until <laughs> ah. now. Um, I had seen them play like their second-to-last gig, you know, four months before then at uh, Radio City Music Hall. So anyway he was just like kind of walking by and I had this fanboy moment and I was just surprised. Like I always wanted to see a musician that I admired just in the wild, but yeah. it just never happened. I in thought the like, wild, yeah. you know, like if I was on vacation or something, I was like, I wonder if I'll see so-and-so at this beach that never happened. Um, so I just basically said like, Gavin, you know, question mark. He kind of turned around. He looked surprised to be noticed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was just like, ah, oh, big fan. Thanks. You know, kept walking. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Okay. Little did you know. Yeah, I didn't have anything else, but I thought about it that night because I was like, man, if I, not like it would have been the right time or place, but I thought if I had something more to talk about, I actually would have introduced myself properly. I had just made a record with another really great drummer um, in the progressive scene named Nick DiVirgilio. And Nick was sort of like my first uh, in in, to this sort of progressive rock world. And, uh, And I know that they knew each other. So I, th- I viewed it as a missed opportunity, basically. A couple of days later, I'm down at the NAMM show. I'm, I'm just wandering around the drum, the big drum room, which is like a cacophony of people hitting cymbals and snare drums. It's just oh awful. I can only imagine that. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> and, uh, and then I see Gavin again, and he's, he's tapping on some snare drums. And, uh, and I was like, oh, it's my big chance. He's probably going to think I'm like a weird stalker or something because I saw him like a hundred miles away, you know, a few days ago. So this time I went up to and properly introduced myself, mm-hmm. 
told him who I had just worked with and that kind of thing. And uh, basically at that time, I had this song that I had just written called Chalk Lines. And uh, in my head, I thought Gavin Harrison would be an incredible drummer for this piece. There was a lot of weird time signatures and stuff. And, and, and uh, I knew that he, he would be somebody who could really take it somewhere. And the demo was just, you know, guitar, vocals. There was no bass on it yet. And I kind of, I pitched it to him in the moment. And, and he told me to get in touch with him, send him the song and that kind of thing. And I know through experience, the standard thing is, you know, guys like that, they, they're trying to be nice, but they also are used to getting approached by people mm-hmm. with stuff that is just not on the level. And you know, it's kind of a standard to say, like, send it, and if it's something I can see myself playing on, I'll let you know. And I don't know, I think a couple months went by, and I I finished up the demo, I sent it to him, and he really liked the track, and uh, he had free reign to do what he wanted on on the tune, you know, and he just totally went to town. And that kind of snowballed into just sending him more and more songs, and it became this full record, that that he played on Mm. and uh you know so that's the start of our relationship and i knew then that as we were working remotely uh the amount of care that he was putting into it beyond just the playing you know he really had things constructive things to say about it and it didn't seem like it was just a work for hire you know here's your tracks and Bye-bye. You can tell he was enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, so we, we kind of kept just kept in touch through the years mm-hmm. and we weren't particularly close, but then we, we reconnected in a big way in 2019 uh, because he was playing with this uh, other project called The Pineapple Thief. Yes. Also, huh. also I'm a big, a big fan of them oh, as cool. well. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I guess he had just kind of been keeping tabs on what I had been up to. And they announced uh, a tour, and uh, our mutual friend Michael Wu actually yeah. he tipped me off. He he saw the tour announcement before I did, and uh, and he you know he told me about it. And I, I messaged Gavin and said, "Hey, you guys have an opener for this North American tour." And he immediately wrote back and said, "Do you fancy it?" And I love that. Do you, you know they were yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's very British. Yes, and I had just start like literally the week before decided that I needed to get back out and do kind of just something on my own, just as a solo artist, solo acoustic singer songwriter style thing. And I had booked a gig at the bitter end in New York, which has been a kind of a home away from home for me since I was a teen. And I, I booked this gig as a workout basically to just get on a stage with my own stuff. Cause I had just been kind of playing with other people for a while. I wanted to do my own thing mm-hmm. and uh, it was raw, but I, paid for the room recording and I had it. And he was like, do you have something you can send? We want a solo artist. We don't want a band. I was like, well, that's quite fortuitous. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just did this gig last week. I mean, it's yeah. like, I'm working it out. It's well. not great, but it's what I'm doing. And, uh, and he pushed it through and, you know, I, I later learned through, uh, the singer, the pineapple thief who was doing a lot of press for the tour. People would ask him, how did you hook up with Randy McStein? And he kept telling people, well, Gavin Harrison recommended him and he doesn't recommend anybody for mm-hmm. anything. Wow. So I, I started to realize that, the, you know, Gavin for himself has this very 
high bar. You know, it, it's clear when you listen to what he does. It's, yeah, it's obvious. Oh my God. <laughs> and so I, I really took that as a badge of honor. And getting to tour with them for about a month and do my own thing, you know, it put us in the same room night after night. And things uh, sort of subconsciously or, or however you want to look at it, you know, you don't realize how people are observing you in in the element you know are you nice when you walk through the door do you say hi to the crew do you remember people's names are you fun to hang out with are, mm-hmm. are you a drunk you know like mm. the whole spectrum of possibilities yeah. uh from one professional to another and we would kind of carve out time every once in a while to grab coffee and just talk about stuff uh he never let on that this you know sort of reunion was in the works mm-hmm. um and i frankly don't know where it was at that time and 2020 comes along lockdown blah 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 and then i got a call from him in september uh, almost almost a year ago which is insane just flat out asking me do you want to wow. do you want to join us for this you know these upcoming tour and you know it was an immediate yes and and mm-hmm. then we kind of went from there but the the caveat was nobody knows that we're reuniting you've got to keep this under lock and key, like mm-hmm. tell absolutely nobody. So I held on to this secret basically for like nine months. <laughs> to wow. sign an NDA or something. I didn't right? sign, but it was like it was like a virtual handshake. Okay, you know, it was just like a lot of trust. A lot, a lot of, of trust, trust there. Yeah, oh. same with the bassist. And um, so yeah, it was it was really wild because you know I, I sort of like I watched the world find out about these things, you know, in real time, but also just knowing what was going on and even right. none of my colleagues knew mm-hmm. uh i would occasionally get questions from people who were sort of hoping that when when they announced that they were you know reforming as a trio and that they were going to have two new people on stage with them but definitely had some fans who were trying to connect the dots and but i had to keep kind of <laughs> pushing it aside like oh yeah that would be fun wow like the super fans they were sleuthing yeah and sleuthing yes <laughs> yeah there's yeah. there's a lot to unpack there there is yeah um one of my main takeaways from what you just explained, and this is for all of our listeners, uh, artists who want to take the next step, who mm-hmm. want to get their stuff out there. You believed in yourself to the point where you just you met Gavin at Nam, and you had no problem. You went up, you said, "Hey, man, I got a track for you." Yeah, and like that is so bold and courageous to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And kudos to you for doing it. Thank and you. so for all those mm-hmm. listening believe in yourself and and if you are writing something or you have a song and you're like oh man i could never get that guy to be on it throw that thought out the window right and find that person and shoot your shot and say look i've got a great track i you'd be great for it and see where the chips fall Mm -hmm. and so i I just think that's a great story and it really illustrates a great message yeah i want to i want to kind of capitalize on that for me that happened to me with a drum producer that i love um down in Atlanta. Um, m- many might not know him, but his name is Matt Goldman, and he did a lot of productions that I loved. And I did the same thing. I just tossed something out to him, and I threw it at him like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And I I fanboy over this guy because he was just, he's an amazing producer, and everything he does I love. And uh, I was surprised he got back to me. And I asked him to come up for two weeks to do like a training up here with me and so i got like this mini like internship with this guy and i learned a ton just from one question through facebook mm-hmm. oh. and uh 
it, I think that also it speaks to you. You did a lot of hard work yeah. prior to all this to hand them something. So it's not just having the boldness, right, Fish? It's right, also it's... making sure you guys do your homework yeah. and actually get your chops and have the <laughs> talent level to, to kind of throw it at somebody like that. It's not to say don't do it, but definitely put the work in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, true. yeah, I mean, it's look, it's a, it's a 50-50 shot when you take it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be a yes or no, or, right. you know, the email's not going to land or you're not going to hear it. It just depends on who it is really. Mm-hmm. But, but that is the thing. It's like, obviously the whole, you know, you miss 100% of the shots right. you don't take. That's right. mm-hmm. And being prepared. And being, being prepared, prepared for it. Really, right. Yeah. All, it all comes together in that, in that yeah. way. Um, I think this is super valuable, this conversation. And I know we have another question, but I just want to keep going on yeah, this path yeah. a little bit. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> so, and you started to get to know him a little bit working with him, but you didn't jump right into that. As you said, he was very professional for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I think that that has to be, that's an important fact. When you start working with people like this, you don't want to be pretentious. You, you just want to be professional. You want to make sure uh, that you don't go, you don't fanboy like you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But just be normal and just be there. And you just work with him and he kind of opened the door slowly. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a building of trust and relations and mm-hmm. also just, you know, checking in with people and staying in touch uh, just as a friend. Don't mm-hmm. just reach out to people when you want something sure. or when you need something. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much of it is really about the relationship. Uh, that's what formed your friendship. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, so it starts through music because that's how we're all connected. That's why right. we're here yeah. talking now. But uh, if that's the only thing, then there isn't much to hang it on. I mean, there's, right. there's, you know, an untold amount of brilliant musicians in the world, but what gets somebody to a point where you're the, you're the first call and it's basically stated to you, like, there's nobody else, like mm-hmm. you're the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a, you know, that's a really remarkable thing. And it goes, be- yeah. it goes beyond your playing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really the thing that I, I try to get across to people, which is mm-hmm. there's always going to be somebody who's way more talented somewhere. I mean, you can pull it up, you can find 10 people in 20 seconds, but yeah. uh, the 10 re- year olds on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the relationships, especially when you're working with people who have such a history and they've worked with so many different people and, and legends, basically, mm-hmm. uh, when you're that deep in your career, they know exactly what it is that they don't want. And right. they don't want drama. That's a, good, that's a good point. You know what I mean? They <laughs> yeah. don't want the drama. And it doesn't matter how great your playing is, they will take somebody who is 10% or 20% less of a player right. in some way if you're better to hang with and you're not going to cause issues. You know, a and I think. You it's, hear about this in sports a lot too. Yeah, the sports teams that right. thrive and do very well, they it's not just because they're good on the court; they've yeah. got a good chemistry off the court as well, right. and it translates to on, right. on the court. And it's tough because it's it it gets you get wrapped up. You can get wrapped up in in ego, and also what you were saying of like, you know, you want to prove your capabilities, right? But you can over you can overdo it so quickly 
if mm-hmm. if your ego is basically saying like I've got to show this guy that I can shred like right away. You know, it's just like right. I have to lay all my cards on the table so that they know what I'm capable of. In my experience, I mean, that's like a huge turnoff mm-hmm. to most people. Like that's right. exactly what they don't want. I mean, th- one of the things I, among many that I love about this, uh, mu- you know, the porcupine tree catalog is it doesn't require um, a certain kind of virtuosity from the guitar perspective i was actually basically told like push that aside like mm-hmm. i know what you're capable of it doesn't have a place in in this but what makes it such both the guitar and the the bass chair um very very particular and, and this is why he was very careful about choosing who he he chose is is that you have to have you have to have enough of it mm-hmm. because it's complex material you have to be able to crunch the numbers and understand how to get different tones and textures and all that kind of stuff it's more tonal but it's in rhythmic yeah yeah it's, yeah it's a lot of different things but like when it comes to the lead guitar playing sure. it's it's more david gilmore than malmstein you know what sure. i mean it's like <laughs> well, push, push, is kind push, of yeah yeah i'm just i'm just i'm going i'm reaching for an extreme yeah, yeah i know what you mean and then petrucci there you go yeah so you know, and, and that's that can be a tough thing for, for people because a lot of people who spend a ton of time mm-hmm. trying to be that kind of virtuoso player, that you don't do it to not use it. And that's always the issue, I think, for a lot of people is it, it gets overused because it's like, hey, I spent all this time on it. I really want you to know yeah. that this is how I do it. And, you know, I'm constantly putting myself in musical situations where even in my own music, I'm never really showing my full hand because the musicality that in taste I love that to me is defined by the music that you're playing. I think it's me- more memorable. Yeah. Uh, you want to serve the music for sure. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, progressive music that lacks soul is just machines. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of it. And there's a there is a lot of it. And there's there's the differences there that you can see in the bands that stick around that people know. Sure. Um, so we're going to move into the next question. Yeah. Um, so we're going what, deep today. Uh, we we're going deep. What, what are you looking forward to with the upcoming Porcupine Tree Tour? What's the thing that you're really excited about? Well, to narrow it down is, is hard. I mean, you know. Maybe it's a couple of things. A couple of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think to stay with the sort of social aspect of it, um, I'm really it's it's an honor to be to be a part of it just you know straight straight out of the gate um mm-hmm. but i think one of the things that's that's really exciting to me is be, because they are a band that i sort of basically grew up with uh, in my teen years and and saw them live many times and and watched their progression up until they you know uh went on a hiatus their fan base has grown in their absence with younger people who are uh, and older people who are now getting their first chance to see them. And I think it's amazing to get to be a part of something that night after night, um, I get to help create new memories mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. And that's, that's great. That's really something. Uh, I, you know, I can conceptualize it now, but it, cause I, we haven't done it yet. We're, 
their first shows September 10th. So, I mean, what's really fun about this conversation is just you guys are catching me like right before <laughs> yeah. I'm about to go do yeah, something yeah. that's going to completely change my life yeah. in no, perspective. It's, it's really exciting yeah. to be able to do this. It's, it's an honor. But also, it's it's an honor that you get to be the next iteration right. of this band. Yeah, it's a part of yeah. a history of something that, that a lot of people uh, care about. That's and a really great answer. Yeah, and it's yeah. just, you know, I uh, keep saying the word honored. So I, I think that uh, getting to play both classic songs for, uh, for their catalog, but also to present their new music to, you know, we're going to be playing the entire uh, new record that they've put out called Closure Continuation. Mm. And it's very fitting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, yeah, yeah. and what's great. Yeah. It's basically, it's an implied question mark as to whether or not this is the end or if this is the beginning of a new thing that they're going to do. Right. And hmm. I think everybody's wondering, you know, how this is all going to go down. Is this it? Or, or are we all going to look at each other and say like, I think we should keep doing this. I, you know, of course I want it to continue. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's still but, early on. But it's, it's, it, yeah, it's yeah. One, one step at a time. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, getting to present new music from a band that has already delivered so much uh, over the years, super exciting, you know, mm-hmm. because to do that for the first time, you learn just that visceral response from people mm-hmm. of what moment connects night after night. And and I love that. That's one of the most beautiful things about live music. Right. And and if you get yourself to a position where you can tour or at least play enough gigs in front of people to where you start to basically learn the the beats, the punchlines of what works in a show. Like every time I hit this note, people go crazy. Or this section of the song. Right. You know the dynamics of the show. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to you know, delivering that, but, ex- but experiencing what is it going to be night after night? What is it, what are those moments going to be where you just know? It's uncharted territory. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really exciting. It's the exciting, hero's yeah. journey. <laughs> it is. It's always, <laughs> always have to bring that up on yeah. this show. Yeah. Well, it's the truth. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, yeah. and the more I, life I live, I mean, it's, mm. it is very apparent, Much. you know, that's yeah, happening. You're definitely on a journey. <laughs> There's no question. What systems do you have in place to stay productive when you're not mm. doing things like this? Because well, you have a studio. I do. Yeah, I've, I've got a nice little uh, studio space, um, which has... My studio has always been whatever I need it to be. And mm. I think that's an important point to make because I've known a lot of people who do this sort of, uh, well, I'll be productive when I get dot, dot, dot. Right. And if I trace uh, my career in music, but specifically if I look at the Lo-Fi Resistance uh, project as the sort of start of my professional career, let's say in 2009, 2010, you know, it starts with buying enough studio gear and learning enough about it to to make sounds mm-hmm. and record them and then being a student of the craft to hope that every time out you you learn more and you get better sure. at recording sure. yourself. So I've I've always had an interest in production and all all of it, you know, just just making sound I'm just, you know, making sounds is like the the best high for people like us, I yeah. think that you can no, ever 
I love doing it. Have. I'm addicted. Um, <laughs> to, I guess to, to direct the yeah. question a little. Sure. Right. With the systems. Uh, yeah, because even for me, like I know I'll have trouble sometimes. I'll wake up in the morning yeah. and if like my day is not planned out, I'm kind of floating a little bit. So the idea, I'm just, I'm curious if you have certain systems Something in place like where like, do you schedule your day out the night before maybe? Or yeah. do you wake up and then write out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this today? Or do you call a friend and say, hey, I need inspiration. Like, right. give me a pep talk. Like those kinds of systems, yeah. like tangible things. It's in flux right now just because um, I've had so many life changes in the last year um, and a new studio space, which I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really loving. But it's a lot of my productivity as of late has been more in the the free play, let's say, of messing around, making sounds, practicing an instrument or whatever, than it has been just like I'm making a recording or I'm making sure. a record right now. I kind of fell out of a routine, uh, which naturally, I mean, I was just drawn to, to just being in the studio every day. So mm -hmm. I never really needed a routine necessarily it just, so it, was, it was just an innate it feeling. was just there you just had to get there was, cool yeah. that's cool that's different but like in the last year i i was experiencing some kind of burnout thing mm -hmm. and i just didn't find myself going into the studio and doing as much as i had been i'm kind of getting it back now i mm -hmm. mean on the eve of of leaving the studio but the inspiration has really come back in and i think the the break will have served me well even though as I was going through it, I kept thinking to myself, like, what the hell's going on? Like, yeah. why am I not kicking into that mode that I mm -hmm. just naturally do? But I have talked to some, you know, friends slash mentors about it. And, and it is, it's not abnormal, you know? And, and if, I, if I chart my whole thing, I mean, I started playing regular uh, weekend gigs as an 11-year-old. I mean, it was 23 years ago. So... Yeah. Like I never got off the treadmill until like last year, and then I started I started to realize like oh I kind of like like not having to do this right now and not is not to give the impression that I'm like independently wealthy or something I mean <laughs> it's because <laughs> you know my productivity was like okay well what are you gonna what are you gonna do next you know but I knew that I had this thing around the corner. Um, with with porcupine tree and i, I kind of almost feel like i mentally allowed myself to sort of step back take a break and just kind of like get my head together i'd and, imagine you'd yeah you'd want to get prepared and mentally yeah and, and the, get in the right space for that because it's not free just your mind physical. a little bit yeah yeah hmm. oh that's dope um so let, let's go into the first song that we're gonna play yeah and this is uh chalk lines and chalk lines what can you tell us about the song and then we'll and then we'll cue it up yeah. Um, so when I picked it, I, I was kind of skimming it a little bit. I haven't listened to, to this in years, um, but I picked it for the relevance of the the conversation about meeting Gavin and and Porcupine Tree, okay. and and I think at the time, my influence with uh, so called you know progressive rock, um, this this album seemed to encapsulate my my uh sort of take on where i thought i could go with that kind of music mm -hmm. this song is is a little bit more overtly uh showy in terms of some of the playing and stuff on it but compositionally and in the textures and stuff vocal harmonies it it just kind of like i 
threw in the kitchen sink on that nice. one string string arrangements at the end and and uh it's it, the song and and the album itself has been one of the calling cards that if people say like well what is your stuff like that's it's kind of seen as one of the main pillars of my output as the the one where a, a lot of people who know who I am started to discover me because of this particular record very cool right so let's do it uh dave play the chalk Cue lines. the chalk lines That was Chalk Lines. Um, so tell us about the, the creative process on, on that song. Where was it recorded? Uh, how did it start? On- well, it started um, just, you know, in my sort of bedroom studio that I was, that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was living on the north side of Endicott, New York, which is where I graduated. How old were you when you did this? The demo was started in early 2011, so I would have been 20... 22 cool yeah that's right so yeah i i just remember you know messing around with with this strange guitar tuning and finding this riff that i liked and just kind of building it out um so long ago now but mm-hmm. it it ended up bouncing around to multiple studios because there was remote work that was done so my demo went to gavin harrison he did his drum part with no bass on it. I didn't... Uh, Who I, needs bass anyways? I play bass on all my stuff. <laughs> it's the Metallica version. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I usually play bass on, on most of my stuff, uh-huh. but at that point, because I didn't know where he wanted to take it rhythmically, mm. I left it wide open. Yeah. 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 And then I asked him, uh, you know, who would you suggest we on bass? And uh, he thought John Giblin would be a great choice. Um, and he's a British bass player who played on a lot of Kate Bush stuff. Mm. Um, Phil Collins, Face Value, he's all over that record. Great, great bass player. And uh, so, yeah, so the bulk of the song is is a trio, essentially. And then uh, I started working with this keyboard player slash producer named Dave Kersner. And I did a lot of work on that song and the record itself at his studio mm. in Miami. Um, this This is one of those situations where, you know, my... My inspiration and my sort of, uh, I was had a very unwavering drive at that point in time to really, like, just make the best thing that I could ever make. Sure. And I always try to do that, but I I just know that at that particular moment, I really felt like I had 
something that I had to prove to myself. And, you know, I went way out of my way to make it happen. I mean, mm-hmm. total lulls in, in uh, financial, you know, the ability to even do it. Like I had to keep putting it on, on putting the brakes on it and just playing more gigs and doing landscaping and just like whatever I could do to just raise enough Produce money that. to make another song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but through that process, like I just kept meeting really great musicians who would turn into lifelong friends who would open more doors. And so that's another thing I think just worth kind of saying to, to people, which is, you know, there is a fine line between like being really um, driven and, and sort of sure of your abilities and being delusional. You know, some people are really oh, yes. on that line. Oh, yeah. right? A little American Idol. Yeah, right. Talk, talk about that. So I like, <laughs> I think at that time though, I like, I knew how good I, it was. Um, that's not because I have a huge ego. I just, I knew that if, if I could do it the way that I envisioned it, it would be a really, really good recording. And thankfully other people along the way felt that way too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I continued to meet people that, contributed to the record um and more people in the porcupine tree universe including john wesley who was their touring guitarist from 2002 all the way up to 2010 Mm -hmm. and you know i met him and he had just kind of heard about me because gavin was talking about it and he said well why don't you come down to my studio and and record guitars and he's got a great amp collection he's a total tone guru so mm-hmm. you know I, I booked a week at his studio and we just sat sat uh, side by side and and did all the guitar tracks oh. and just basically replaced all my demo nice. tracks with you know real stuff and uh and yeah so it was just like every step along the way as as hard as it was it was that perseverance thing of like i'm this record will happen yeah like no matter what how long and, did it take in total to complete it uh almost two years Okay. Yeah, it started in 2011, and I think it was mixed in October of 2012. Where was it mixed? Uh, it was mixed out at Sweetwater, actually. Oh, okay. Um, a friend of mine uh, named Mark Hornsby had just taken a job there as like the head of studios, and Sweetwater at that time, they were obviously doing a great online business, but it was still a very kind of small store but a lot of people didn't realize that they had this like huge um really nice recording facility Mm -hmm. in there it's always been a part of their company it is yeah yeah. yeah. but at that time it was mostly like local jingles and stuff like that mark mark was kind of directly responsible for kind of blasting the the studio out there to the world as like this could be a place as a destination and i was like basically the first project he mixed there that's so cool Holy and God, uh really that's and that's where um wow. it's like nick de virgilio yeah. he's uh-huh. like he does all the all the drum content the drum content yes exactly yeah. fantastic so uh so yeah so that was that was really cool and in the end yeah you know gavin ended up playing on the entire record uh the the basses from porcupine tree was, was on a couple of tracks uh doug pinnick played bass on a that's tune amazing. so it turned into this this really uh expanded adventurous project which you know essentially self-released and it did what it did at the time but more importantly it's it's always 
it's it's about the art. It sounded and, and like it was for you. It was. Yeah. yeah. That's a key thing too. Like yeah. you, because you you said earlier that you wanted to prove to yourself. Yeah. That mm-hmm. this track was going to be great, and um, it's easy to kind of you know if you're an artist, keep that in mind. You know, are you, why are you, why are you doing it? I think are everybody you, does need to go through that. Yeah. yeah. They they need to hit that milestone. Sure. They're proud of what they've done, and they feel assured in that. So. And I never looked at. The, like this name dropping, which will continue to happen, <laughs> only only because it it is. These are friends along the journey. The, well, that's yeah. what it it's, is. It's yes. people. Yes. It's people you that you work with, right? And we, well, yeah. There's, yeah. It, it is what it is. But you the know? point, it's fantastic, is like, at, I never. Anytime I met somebody like the people that I've mentioned, I never had some sort of ulterior motive of like, oh, this will help me sell records. Right. You know, it was always like purely based on what I felt they could contribute to a particular piece of music, you know, and I always looked at it as like directing or like casting basically Mm -hmm. like, ah, this drummer, Mm -hmm. perfect for this. People write movies. They're like, I want to have Brad Pitt star in this movie. And they write the the role for him. Right. And that's just how you were acting as producer. Yeah. Is what you were doing for sure. So, well, guess what? (gasps) It it is time. For the phenomenal part of our show called Strange Candy. I don't know how phenomenal it is, but... <laughs> yeah, you know. I like the, you know. Wait. You're shaking right. the table, Fish. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm guilty. So, <laughs> we have two options today. Mm-hmm. We have veggie chips. Okay, that that's not candy. So, it's not quite candy, but... It says good health on the bag. I think you have to yeah. just throw that away. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why I picked this one. No, no. <laughs> really, it's good for you. No artificial flavors and no synthetic colors. I mean... Um, yeah, I don't know what was wrong with me this on this is, one. Uh, hmm. I, I just felt like, who would have thought that veg, vegetables would be compacted into a chip? I guess that was if sort of where vegetables. I was going with it. If they, yeah. So, some legal escapism here happening. <laughs> Potato-based snack. <laughs> Based. It's Such a great word. But is it a... Vet, well, I guess... Potatoes are vegetables, right? Um, Somehow, or it's a root yeah. vegetable. It's they're a good they're, they're vegetables. Oh man, this is funny. Yeah. People are going to be like, "You guys don't know what potatoes you know what? are." Every time we go through one of these conversations, <laughs> yeah. and we don't know the answer, yeah. I always get a text uh, from Wu oh, yeah. midweek. <laughs> it's this. That's so fun. But now we have more of a real yeah. or real candy. Here. Okay, that's candy. These are um, mini gummy worms. Okay, I, I'm just going to tell you that. I'm bypassing that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think this. we have to go all in. Yeah. Yeah, now, and I must, I must apologize. I actually broke into these before the show. This, yeah, they just—they looked really good. This is sacrilege. And, and they are really good. So, all right, okay. we're gonna try them. I can open Man, these. No self-discipline. No. You gotta have discipline. The guy with the system. It's, it's very important. All right, all right. Have some gummy worms. Let's have a gummy worm. Let's try some out. Here we go. So, what are they called? Mini gummy worms. What, what's the company? Oh, uh, Albanese. Albanese. Should we do like some kind of cheers. Mini gum. We should. And they're world's best. Oh. What well, are the chances I pick the exact same color? You got it. Hey, mine's... Uh, cheers. Cheers, guys. Mine has uh, complementary colors. Here we go. All right. You're on the mic. So, uh, what is I'm, it? ASMR? I'm going to... Yes, bit. it is. Well, I think we should do a poll and ask people if they enjoy this part. Yeah, I agree. Because we do it every show, <laughs> and there's probably a bunch of people who hate it. Yeah, they'll skip ahead. They just want to hear more about time signatures and <laughs> not oh, yeah. not fish chewing on the mic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I said before, I, I never really cared about gummy worms, and I still 
No, they're they're good actually. But, but do you understand what these are made of? What? They're the, made from Don't say it. Animal <laughs> byproducts. Really? Yes. Oh man. My they're vegan they're gluten free. Uh I'm if I'm not mistaken, it has to do with horses in some way. No, right? no, it says corn syrup, sugar, water. No. Oh, I think it's the gelatin. Uh-huh. The gelatin. Yes, gelatin. Gelatin. Right. gelatin. That's the thing that does it, yeah. Pectin. Don't yeah. know what that That's is. That's a nice word for horse hooves. <laughs> oh, okay. it's basically just like ten versions of sugar and yeah, and right. of an animal byproduct. If you eat, it, um, yeah, I mean, it's it has to do with animals. I looked it up once. If you eat seven pieces, you will be getting mm. 20, die. You 20, will die. You'll die. You get twenty six percent of your daily intake of sugar. Twenty six. So, mm. if you want to get twenty six percent, I've already you done eat it. Seven. I've already <laughs> done it. You got to make sure you get enough sugar in a day. Um, some of the candy we have on here, it says literally over 100 percent just yeah. from eating one piece. It, it's been dangerous. Yeah, this this was average, average, candy. average candy. This average is not strange, strange candy. candy it was not our strongest strange no, candy. No, but last week was crazy. Yeah, so. you have your good ones and your bad ones for yeah. sure. But it's a nice way to it's a nice way to break up the conversations yeah. and do just some crazy stuff mm. i guess if they had like thc in them they you, <laughs> no. we would be strange and you know 45 oh, you know minutes what? maybe that's yeah. really strange candy maybe yeah, yeah. we're gonna do a segment called really strange candy yeah. next yeah. week what makes it really <laughs> strange well we'll tell you all right <laughs> well hey thanks, well that guys. was semi strange candy thanks for listening <laughs> yes <laughs> made in the usa oh uh, what is a memorable moment for you randy uh that you know while you're performing while I'm performing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, There's so many. We ask the real tough questions yeah. here. <laughs> well, it's only it's hard for me just because I've I've played so many gigs and I for some reason I don't tend to really store I, I just I don't think about that so much. Mm. Um, Even if I, it's crazy, I kind of well, like, yeah, crazy. It has to have been something. I tend to just kind of remember the last thing that I did. Um, well, yeah, okay. So a pretty memorable thing actually was pretty recently. Uh, my McStein and Miniman uh, project, which we basically launched right at the start of uh, the lockdown period of 2020. Okay. We did two albums in 2020. Uh, we were going to try to play a gig in the fall of 2021 and then sort of some variant was raging again so we kind of pulled back and uh we had this show um on something called cruise to the edge which is a progressive rock festival that takes place on a cruise ship oh over oh five gosh. days what yeah i want to be on this cruise. Oh, it sounds nerd it city sounds right so there. ridiculous There's a lot of men there a lot of men for sure yeah. a lot of men um but no, no women i will say it's 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 a lot more fun than it sounds on paper. Like it's, it's so ridiculous to say that out loud. I mean, I'd love to do it, but yeah. it's great. A uh, great lineup, amazing musicians, and and uh, are just a really good hang with people. Okay. So we made our debut there, and this was the first week of May, and both shows went very well, but each one had their own quirks uh, that that we couldn't do anything about. So the first gig. We were supposed to be like the first show on the ship. We showed up to the theater to set up and nothing had been set up yet. Oh boy. Like the, the PA was all still in, in boxes. And, and, you know, so I was like, okay, well, clearly we're not starting on time. And uh, hours 
went by. We started the show started like four hours late. Wow. With people queued, like wrapped around, oh. you know, oh. this stairway, <laughs> which was really um, it was amazing that so many people held on, but unfortunately. Uh, a lot of people had to peel away because other shows were starting elsewhere. Hmm. So we kind of came out and it was, it felt a little bit like, oh man, you know, we, we could have had like this full house and it wasn't, but by the end of it, it, it was. And, you know, there was a lot of buzz for the next gig, which was the next night on this outdoor stage. That night was like hurricane winds Ugh. and man. just Holy insane. Cow. We're having to tape everything down like the one guy his his laptop like the wind was going to blow it away <laughs> like they they had to just secure everything wow. with sandbags and it was insane mm. it was it was a oh nightmare gig from that perspective but it ended up really connecting with people it had mm. this this sort of like it was nighttime lights crazy winds my hair is blowing all over the place. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Rock God. And basically, yeah, it kind of like it made us into like this it's sort very of metal. mystical <laughs> yeah. uh, thing for, for an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, like wow. the music was conjuring up the winds. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and the connection. Really cool. And, you know, I just kept running into people, both musicians uh, on the ship and just fans who were just like, I, I can't believe that show mm. last night. So... I don't know, you know, it's it's memorable also being that it was just a debut, but it kind of, it was one of those things where it didn't hit my bar of perfection that I was looking for, sure. uh, but something else took its place. This this kind of primal, like, just get get through it, like, block, stop thinking about it and just go for it. Mm-hmm. And I think... Everybody on that stage had their own version of how to get through the gig. Like the sound was so crazy that if I just stepped like two feet away from my monitor and I had this amp blaring behind me, I couldn't even hear it. (laughs) The wind was just blowing it 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 away all over the place. So, so yeah, that was very memorable. That was the break into Master of Puppets by any chance. (laughs) I didn't. That's quite the story, though. I can't imagine playing in hurricane-like winds. It was insane. The band before us, the singer came up to me, uh, this band Riverside, and uh, he goes, "Well, that was the hardest gig I've ever played in my life. Good luck." (laughs) And uh, no, but it was, yeah, it was. It was very cool in the end, and uh, you know, just kind of one of those trial by fire things where it's like you've got it so planned out in your head, like, "Oh, we're gonna make this." This real kind of right. controlled, and you just you have to throw it all away and Especially just, just do it. Like that, yeah. man. There's you're at the mercy of the elements. I mean, we. It's funny. I, it reminds me of a story. Uh, had a gig, and it was up in Duluth, mm. and we had to we had to play in the morning. It was for some like five uh, k mm. that they were doing. It was a veteran a veterans event in support of vets, and the guy running this event wanted us to play at 7 a.m. And it was like two degrees outside and we tried, but we, we didn't, we did not play one song. We said, Mm. we can't move our fingers, dude. And if we wear gloves, like the guitar players aren't going to be able to play. Like it's just not going to, we had to explain to him that Mm -hmm. it is physically impossible for us to actually execute this at this temperature. Sure. Uh, But we tried, we tried. And I remember taking the drums out, 
it yeah. was rough. It was rough. Man. <laughs> I, I, I hit the snare drum. I'm like, no. And it froze. Yeah, it's not happening. So yeah. uh, tales, tales of crazy gigs like that. Yeah. That's it's pretty wild. But, you know, I've, I've also, um, I'm just in my head, I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think of like things that felt like milestones at mm-hmm. the time. Because that, that's the other thing, too. It's like you do something and maybe up to that point in your life or your, your career uh, that you've kind of set this new mark. Right. for yourself of like oh, this is i've arrived at something and what yeah. could possibly top this and then you go on and do a bunch of other stuff and then it be, that huge thing becomes kind of like a a footnote i played a lot of really beautiful venues with uh some tribute acts i, I did a few tours with a, a pink okay. floyd tribute called pfx the pink floyd experience mm. and we played all these you know really great theaters throughout um canada and North America and some, you know, just big rock clubs and stuff. Mm. And, uh, and I did a Simon Garfunkel tribute as well on bass. And we played Massey Hall in Canada, which is where they did like Rush Exit Stage Left wow. and classic Neil Young and stuff. So it's just like one of those iconic venues mm-hmm. that just felt just super cool to, um, to have a chance I'd to actually be on that stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and actually, I, I want to give well, a you, shout out real quick yeah, to yeah. Sophistafunk because you were talking about like sort of these milestones that you yeah, hit, right. and you're like, so Sophistafunk is a band from Syracuse, and I was just talking to, we were just talking about this yesterday. Yeah, they are now. It's actually premiering to, at 9 p.m. tonight on the Food Network. They are now the house band for Guy Fieri's oh, wow. new mm-hmm. game show on mm-hmm. the Food Network. And so I yeah. just want to give a shout out because it's local or right yeah. here. So Sophistafunk, like Adam, Jack, and E-Man, and I think Tommy Weeks is mm-hmm. also playing with them. Like, like just shout out. Like that, that's a huge yeah, milestone we like to, for them. We like to celebrate milestones for artists in the, in the region. You going have to. Somewhere. You should. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, encouragement. it's an encouragement to everybody. Yeah, yeah, um, it really to see is. That, you it's, know, it just lifts the region great. up, and you've done that, and these yeah. guys are are doing it now. New so York State can, represent. Yeah, let's yeah. go, let's go. Congratulations, <laughs> Sophistafunk. Uh, yeah. Great job, yeah. guys. Uh, it's been a long road for those guys. So you know, um, <clears throat> so where do you where do you find your confidence to write? Wow, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it gets back to that delusion thing. It sounded to me like, <laughs> well, you were trying to prove something to yourself. Yeah, post that. How do you say you're inspired? Uh, where do you get new ideas? Where do you find that confidence? Well, I'm definitely uh, just constantly exploring music. I've uh, just ever since I was a kid, it was just kind of a sponge for mm-hmm. the music that was around. Um, and my dad had a huge music collection that that I was just very fortunate to, to grow up mm-hmm. in, um, both records and uh, a lot of live uh vhs shows i would just like watch this stuff when i was a kid so it was kind of the seed was planted so early and it was so clear yeah. uh then even if it wasn't completely visualized or, or verbalized but i think just you know a lot of times i just feel like i have sort of stumbled through life uh kind of walk just like walking into things and and a lot of it is is it's just kind of moving my fingers around and just finding stuff Mm -hmm. you know but it's but it's the time spent exploring you know just just kind of freely and i think doing it for as long as i have 
some kind of voice and some kind of cohesive thing began to emerge. There's there's something that I do that the people who who listen to me recognize as me. It's very hard for me to get outside of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm so locked into all of the things that I don't like about what I do, and we're all like that, I'm sure. Yeah. That um, trying to to recognize, okay, well, what is the thing that I do that makes me who I am? Mm-hmm. And and in some ways, I think it gets harder as time goes on because we we're we're building our music off the shoulders of all of these legends that we've right. you know heard for forever. It, it's like, is there an original thought? anymore especially these oh, days now because we're, now we're okay deep. well i'm yeah. oh, <laughs> feeling, feeling reactionary here yeah is yeah. there an original thought and I, it's a great question but man. you know everything's been said everything's been done before yeah, but right? i don't feel that way and i'm just i'm just gonna yeah, kind of go for it continue with the the sure. train of thought because um the, this conversation comes up a lot it just came up last week when i was at rehearsals you know this this kind of thing of like does the world need more music and all that kind of stuff Whoa. and and it's, and it's tough, you know, because you could look at it from one side, which is more of a statistical data side and say like, sure. well, no, I mean, we have plenty, we have plenty. You'll, well, none of us will ever hear all of it. 60,000 songs a day. Right, right. Exactly. Oh it just, just keeps going up. <laughs> it's, sure. um, but then, you know, you have to express yourself. I mean, if that's, if that's what you're doing, you mm-hmm. just, you have to do it purely to do it. And that, that's how I feel. So I kind of like, mm-hmm. I kind of live to make music to to hear it back to me. Uh, Frank Zappa, who's you know one of my uh, musical heroes, yeah. he would kind of talk about like just just you know you have an idea in your head. You write in his case, write it down on mm-hmm. a piece of paper, and he could score it, and he heard the whole thing. But it's like the whole pursuit was to actually just get to hear it right. in the world, like take it out of your head, out of your heart, whatever manifest it and have it come back to you. Um, There are plenty of like performers and songwriters who really like need people, you know, and they're very explicit about it. Like they don't feel like there's a purpose unless they can share it with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love to share what I do with people, but the truth is that I would do it anyway. Mm -hmm. I, you know, these days I'll, I'll go into the studio and I'll, and I'll, knock around something for an hour, some improv thing, making weird noises. And it brings me so much joy. And, and, and I'm like, mm-hmm. there's this part of me that immediately wants to share it with the world and say like, yeah. hey, this, this is super fun. This is what I did today. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other part. I'm like, I don't care if anybody ever hears this. What matters is that for an hour or however long it was, mm-hmm. I felt like untouchable. You right. know, like completely in that flow state, completely free. Sure, yeah. it's like it's me, but yeah. I don't recognize it as me. Uh, so the confidence is—is is that the word you use? Confidence, confidence. as a songwriter. Yeah. yeah, to be like this idea is yeah. worth pursuing because mm-hmm. sometimes it's easy to play something and be like, ah, oh, that's no good. That's yeah. not good. Mm-hmm. So well, that's where I think maybe it gets back to what you said earlier when you were encouraging people to take those shots. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the other side of it is, I, yeah, of course I could say I would do it anyway because I just want to hear it. That's true. But the other side of it is you do need that peer support. You need, some, you need somebody to tell you, you like, community. this is good or, yeah. or this sucks. And, and, <laughs> yeah. But whatever this it is. blows, dude. But you, gotta, you have to take it. You know, like, I've never, I've never gotten too hung up on 
you know, the amount of records or lack thereof that I've sold, of course, I want to reach more people. I, I want to see those types of things grow like anybody mm. would. But I also know that I've just, I've been doing it long enough and I've gotten enough reinforcement to trust my instincts and to just kind of let that be, you know, my guide basically, uh, because it, it always leads to something else. Yeah. I want to touch back on the, the word original. Um, I would say um, your stuckness in yourself <clears throat> is actually what makes your music great. Mm. Because I feel like that is what's needed in the world is yeah. something that the world could never bring, even though we're not necessarily, we are stealing from other people when we hear their stuff and oh, we're sure, learning yeah. stuff, but it's through this conduit called you. And, and I think it does change. And it's, there's this morph and iteration over time through generations of artists that produce new music because of that. Yeah. Um, so I feel like uh, your, your, your mindset is super healthy. And I, I just encourage people to listen to that because it's, it feels very selfish <laughs> to sit in that room and to just sit there and, well, this is the thing I'm inspired to do today. I should be doing something else. But holy cow, this is where I'm at. And that's art. Yeah. And I remember myself as a kid sitting in my basement, drawing, painting, playing guitar. I didn't care who was listening to me. I was loving what I was doing. And I was down there every day after school, just banging away on the guitar, trying to start a band, doing all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't because I wanted anybody to do it. I wanted to do it. So I think that's what an artist is. And I think that's what you're doing. And it's, it's obviously paying off because it's, it gives you joy. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's, and it's a long, it's a long game process and kind of this slow burn. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's life is, right. is different. Um, I've been through a lot of things, uh -huh. um, you know, career, personal, and, you know, I wouldn't recommend the way I've done things to anybody. It's, it's not, um, I mean, there are, there are aspects of it, sure, that you can, you can unpack and say like, mm -hmm. do this, don't do that. There are, and some of those things are more obvious, but in terms of the extra, the journey itself, I mean, that's, that's just different for everybody. I mean, I, I feel like most of where the confidence and, and the drive continues to come from is, is the immunity that you have to build up to fail over and over again. I would again. say that's where a lot of procrastination can come from. Not wanting to fail. Not wanting to yeah, fail. Yeah. It's, it's the that's fear big. of failing. Yeah. yeah. That's huge, man. Because yeah. I know people who never get off the starting blocks because they are, uh, they're afraid of any multitude of things. And, you know, it's, it's always coming from a place of fear. It can be a fear of success in its own way and yep. what that might do. Sure. I've heard of that as well. But there's the, this constant sort of thing of it's easier to not complete something because it may be met by the sound of silence mm. and, and just nobody caring about it, which to some people is far worse than a bad review. It's like mm. at least somebody gave it the time to talk some shit about it. I love bad reviews. If you put it out there, <laughs> if you put it out there and it's just met with indifference, yeah. it, that's, that's the kind of feedback. If you don't get that, then you start to wonder like, well, what am I, what am I doing? And again, if it brings you personal joy, you should just keep doing it because that's, I think that should the be the thing first thing. Yeah. It has to be the first thing. Yeah. And but when you try to turn it into a career, that's when it and you start thinking about the art versus yeah. commerce thing. That's where you have to make some hard choices. You know, if if you if nobody's listening or 
everybody you give it to says, yeah, it sounds weird, you know, whatever the comment is, you know, there's a certain point to where you're going to have to take a step back and say like, hmm, maybe there is something to that. We need people to say that sucks or nicely tell people. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, I have a story with my daughter where this happened. Um, she's a singer and she has a group. And uh, But, you know, when she was a girl uh, growing up, she was a dancer. And we paid a lot of money to go to dance class. And so we take her to dance class. And it was very apparent to us and to most other people that she was not a good dancer. And, uh, you know, pretty quickly uh, we sat her down and said, hey, you know what, Hannah? You did a great job, nice effort, but we feel that this is not good for you. And, uh, you know, she was a little hurt at first, but she pushed that aside, moved into something else, and then she got into music. And she loves it, and she's doing well with that. Yeah. And I feel like that community aspect of artistry is sometimes cowardly. We, we don't, we're afraid to tell people things, and obviously you just don't want to jump on people like that. Yeah, we don't want to hurt people's, no. people's feelings. But it is important. Yeah. You know, uh, it's how you say it too. There's certain ways to. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, right. That's a whole nother discussion. How well, do you let someone down nicely? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there is a lot of music out there. Yeah. Speaking so. speaking of lots of music yeah, let's, out there, let's listen to this. We have one. another track from Randy uh-huh. here. This is uh, what was this? The Master. The Master. So mm. talk to us. Just give us a quick little bit about the Master, and then we'll cue it up. Quick bit. Well, I picked this because this this song and this album in particular that it comes from, uh, which is called Blank, uh, put it out in 2016, marked a huge shift for me in terms of wanting to sort of get away from all of this sort of tendencies that I had in the music that I was making to find a, a new set of textures and approached to writing um is a largely an acoustic based record kind of a singer songwriter thing mixed with uh, a sort of ambience um kind of brian eno influence and nick drake and artists like that so it was it was a bold record for me uh to make based on the the kind of reputation that i was getting for the music that i was making prior to it and every once in a while i feel like i've I build up a certain kind of wall and I really have to hit it with the sledgehammer and find whatever that next thing is for me. Mm-hmm. And this album uh, was that. And it's still something that if I was to think about my whole catalog, um, this is one of the ones that I'm proudest of is this record. All right. Let's do it. Let's play The Master. The Master pulls his Piece of the closest seat 
master. <laughs> very, very vibey, very yeah. moody. So Pink Floyd vibes. Yeah. Uh, some Beatles. Oh, yeah. Thrown yeah. in there. I, I noticed uh, on your other stuff as well, lots of Mellotron. I love it. Yeah. Although on that particular song, it's, it's, uh, it's actually a guitar um, with a Mellotronish sound. Yeah. I was referring to, I think, to the first song even. Oh, yeah. We did. You had some Mellotron. Definitely. You are a, you're a Beatles fan. So, Undoubtedly. As, as yeah. many should be. So. And you were telling us about something during the break, and mm. you sent this album to someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um, well, John and I, the couple of times that we've met, we always end up talking about the band King's X, mm-hmm. which were, um, you know, huge Super influences fan. on us. Yeah. And uh, I've you know, one of the thrills in my life going back to being a teenager was uh, really getting to know those guys and to really call them friends. And when we're talking about like peer having support from peers, you know, calling them peers, first of all, like it, it feels whenever I say that, it's like, well, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these, these are people that I just listen to and how, how does that happen? And you know, it, it gets back to taking those steps to getting to know people, putting yourself out there and in front of them. You know, I opened for them a couple of times uh, at the Haunt, actually, in, in Ithaca in the early to mid-2000s. But um, when I made that record, uh, you know, I had certain people in mind that I just thought would uh, appreciate it. And one of those people was Jerry Gaskill, who's the drummer of King's X. And uh, so I sent it to him. And I remember just getting this phone call from him. I was, I was driving at somewhere up here at the time. I don't know why I was up here, but um, I was like, what's up, Jerry? He's like, I didn't, I didn't want to just like write to you in an email about this. Like, I want to talk to you about this record. I was like, oh, cool. It's like, well, what do you, you know, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, basically, he just loved the record and told me that he was just playing it over and over again and that it was like, really inspiring him to write and that it was like his favorite record in years. And he's just telling me all this stuff and it was blowing my mind. And of course I was (laughs) smiling, you know, from ear to ear, ear. uh, you know, these things, they don't, they don't pump up my ego, but what they do is they give you that, just that mega boost of mm-hmm. uh, just just knowing again that you've done something, and it it has reached the exact person that you hoped to reach. And in the, and in my case, when it happens to people who have basically had a huge impact on the music that I make and the reason that I make it, mm-hmm. that full circle effect is something you you can't really put into words um, because it, it is like the the most grand form of acceptance of your right. art. It's like you gave me something, I processed it however, and it came out this way, and now you're you're giving that energy back. It's it's an it's a really amazing thing that has happened to me uh over and over again throughout my life. And it's yeah, it's just incredible, and it, and it really kind of fuels the the furthering of the the exploration and this sense that I'm I'm on to something. I'm on the right path, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like yeah. I'd imagine yeah. there's a level of gratitude there. Oh, absolutely. To, to, you know where you you have these role models 
yeah. these guys are like, I respect this person's musicianship and like what they've done and, and that have been grateful to, to also be able to make music and yeah to have these opportunities. I, th- I think gratitude is really important um, just for anybody. Yeah. Like it extends way beyond, way beyond music and it's just. Well, you know, and, yeah. and also I, d- I do like what he's saying about just having that sense of destiny about it. It's like mm. you're on the right path. Yeah. yeah. It's like a road sign. It's like, oh, I didn't wander into off into the wilderness. I'm, I'm exactly <laughs> where I'm supposed to be. It's almost like music deja vu. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And I'll also like, say that, you know, for the people that I've met in, in my, in my journey, um, who have been those huge influences and people who, yeah, just, just really uh, are large, uh, large presence in my sort of musical universe. Uh, when you, when you meet those people and they see you for who you are and they, they have real wisdom to impart, uh, you recognize that a lot of the older generations of musicians, if they're, if they're cool and if their egos are in check and they, and they care about the sort of people that they've raised in a way, mm-hmm. they are happy to talk to you about uh, mistakes that they've made, things to avoid, things to do, to, to give you, um, you know, to steer you clear from the pitfalls and to help you along the way um because there are people who are the opposite who they they want to keep the door closed and that's fine you know um but i've been very fortunate that you know as i've gotten to meet the people who have who are huge influences on me and they've become actual fans of my work which just always blows my mind but you also realize like well you know that that is the community aspect it's mm-hmm. like they, I think, love the fact that they can meet artists and they feel like the future, in a way, yeah. is in good hands. And I feel like the prog rock community is like that, definitely. Like, it's, yeah. it's got to be very family. Yeah, I wanted to say that you know? something about that, that that community, I think, is more open to originality, mm. in a sense. There's a, there's a boldness there, too. Uh, there is, To yeah. go forth and be original. Yeah. I mean, Rush kind of pr- proved that to the industry. I mean, no one yeah. liked them, but <laughs> they had a huge fan base, and so yeah. they triumphed, you know? Yeah. They well, because kinda... they stayed true to who they were. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. And, uh, and I think that's the most important thing. I mean, people can kind of smell when you've, you've, you're doing something for reasons other than following some sort of artistic pursuit you know if it, if it seems calculated i don't know you well it depends what scene you're in too like man this opens up a whole nother discussion because like, <laughs> you look into the pop music yeah. world and yeah the, sort of the the top 40 and the, the cardi b's and the ariana grande's and like it's a whole you know that's a whole they got a whole machine right. behind them that's mm-hmm. putting this image forth to make money and um, while also still creating art, it's still yeah. it's still viable, and and there's people that love it, and it's life changing for certain people. And um, but yeah, it so it it kind of de- I think it does depend on what circles you want to be involved with. Um, what I'm hearing from the prog rock community though is that it is a very family, mm-hmm. and they want to keep the legacy alive and keep that music alive. Right, it doesn't have quite the reach that 
you know, a Spice Girls group would have. Sure. Or that pot, you know, so I, I think there's a, it's, it's kind of really healthy in that way. It's like they want to nurture the next generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. So, well, let's, yeah, so, let's move yeah. forward. Um, well, um, I want to ask you how you and Marco connected. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, somebody I mentioned earlier, Dave Kersner, um, he's another guy that's been around uh, for a long time, and, and he's just, he's a great musician himself, but he has a way of just connecting people, and he was working on a project of his own called In Continuum, and it had a, you know, sort of all-star cast of different progressive rock musicians and stuff, and uh, he very kindly asked me to contribute to it and he had marco on the record and you know it was all remote stuff like a, a lot of these records tend to be but then he booked a couple of live gigs and uh he got marco on the gig and he and myself so we met in a rehearsal room in october 2019 no 2018 sorry and uh yeah we had about like a week together and we just like really hit it off and played a couple more uh, gigs uh, the next year with that project, one of which was on Cruise to the Edge. And somewhere along the way, we, we just, uh, he had a song that he asked me to play guitar solo on and sing. I sent him one of my songs to play drums on. And I think between those two things, we got a sense of where we were coming from as songwriters. And I just kind of one night was just thinking about it. And I just got in touch with him and, and said like, hey, what do you think about maybe doing some kind of collaborative EP, you know, you pick three songs, I'll pick three of mine and we'll just do it and see what happens. And like a lot of these things, I mean, it just turned into Mm -hmm. so much more than that. And then when the, uh, when the pandemic hit, we found ourselves with almost a full uh, debut record and then we put it out and we just immediately started working on a second one. So we were just completely locked in and uh, and it's been this really, you know, fun uh, kind of beautiful partnership um, in which it's mostly kind of solo pieces that we bring to the table, and the other person kind of finishes them in a way. Like we we they they would be fully produced as they already are, mm-hmm. whether it's coming from me or it's coming from him. But then there is the sort of freedom and trust to give it to the other person and have them, uh, you know, turn it into what becomes Mixstein and Miniman. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times with my songs, it's mostly him just adding his, his drums, but he's also a multi-instrumentalist and, you know, scary proficient guitar player. And, oh my God. and See, really, I didn't know that he oh, yeah. also did that. Man, yeah. all these talented people. Man. Well, yeah. his, his, his brain is firing in some other <laughs> dimension, but he's, he's constantly creating, he's got like, 20 solo albums or something. Oh, wow. And, um, and he doesn't care if anybody listens to him. Did you hear that? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just yeah. Marco listening. <laughs> In a room with a glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just constantly creating, and we were just, just yeah. kept you know throwing the ball back and forth, basically. And uh, nice. our second record, which is called <clears throat> Two, is uh, just this glorious mess of uh, just a million different influences and us just kind of throwing everything at it um but in really compact songs you know a lot of you know nothing over like five minutes it's just just songs that are just packed with ideas That's a cool and, idea and arrangements and stuff and uh 
and super fun. And, and now we've we finally gotten to test it out live. And I think we'll be looking to do more of that uh, next year when we're able. Very cool. So, so uh, what is your what is your practice schedule like for you? I don't really have one. It's okay. uh, it's kind of again. It's it's just through doing it. You know, sometimes I'm super inspired to play guitar, and it, and it's in my hands every day, mm-hmm. and I'm just, just doing whatever. But I don't have like, I don't really. Excuse me. I don't really have a goal um, from a practice point of view of like, I got to work on these scales or I got to work on this technique. If, if anything like that happens, it's because I've heard something that was really inspiring. And I thought like, oh, what's going on there. But a lot of what I do is just kind of happened through, through the work, just doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> right. I do the same thing. I honestly don't play unless I'm rehearsing for a show or for right in the studio, which That's, I'm, I'm yeah. generally laying something down every day anyway, but Right, so it's always there. It's always there, yeah. But uh, mm. but then I go I go through phases. Like I just got this Hammond M100 organ in my studio. Nice. And it's a spin it, you know, and I just found myself like wanting to play it every day. Mm. So it's like, well, I think I'll just focus on getting better at organ for a while. <laughs> yeah. So because it's just it's. Um, <clears throat> Did you get it from an organ donor? Oh, oh hey, no, uh, my God! Here, it's the worms, guys. It's um, so, sorry. it's so, it's so like for me. That's so incredible to to hear mm-hmm. that. Like, oh, I feel like I'll get better at the organ, so I'm just gonna do that for a while. Like, I've always been just drums. That's right. always been my thing. Just and so when I hear people are like almost equally proficient mm-hmm. at three and four instruments, and I'm like, yeah the time you know the time put into it and it's so it's really incredible Mm. and i can't hammer that home enough it just blows my mind because like i you know the time it takes to get really good at one instrument and then it's like to do that for multi i think a lot of people though that i've met especially producers they're not trying to get super good on them like they'll get a new instrument in their hands and they're just inspired to try that yeah and 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 just something comes out i heard ben gibber talk about it on a couple of his songs, he got this guitar and a couple of those songs off of uh, Plants uh, just came out of that guitar, you know? Mm-hmm. And he never touched it again. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. you know wow. what I'm talking about, right? That's it's, so, that's so, <clears throat> like, wow. But it, it, it just opened up a whole new thing for him, uh. you know? Yeah, I'm just I'm just naturally very, cur- I'm a curious person. Mm. But musically speaking, it's it's just, uh, yeah, any anytime there's, there's something around that I haven't, played before it's some naturally Ooh, drawn to it <laughs> yeah. so randy you have a tour coming up how do you take care of yourself when you're on tour just generally speaking what are the things you do to make sure that you're healthy you're you know getting enough sleep like right just basics just for for people listening for artists yep. who maybe because I've, I've seen it happen where they have this idea of what being on tour is like and yeah. they go out on tour and they're mm. partying and they're 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 going to bed at four in the morning and yeah. then after the sixth show they're they're not cutting it mm. you know yeah. and so how do you how do you take care of yourself on tour well it really is it comes down to personal discipline uh you know i'm not a teetotaler but i'm also not a partier either and mm. you know I think you have to, I've, I've never, I've never played a gig with, uh, like under the influence of anything. I just, I think that's a kind of a sacred space and that's just something that I kind of hold to. Um, I don't want 
to lose control. I want to be responsible basically for anything great or anything horrible that happens on the stage with no sort of caveat of like, oh, I was really stoned or I was really drunk or something. So I take that off the table right away. Then, but then you get to what happens before and after the game. Yeah, that's, that's the... And the thing about you know, touring life mm-hmm. is it really depends on the kind of touring situation you're in. I've done, you know, scrappy van tours where it's, you've got no crew and you're just, everybody's sharing the driving and the drives are eight hours and you're pulling up to the gig in time to throw the gear on stage and, and do it. That's its own kind of touring, which implies its own kind of budget Right. And its own yes. sort of do it yourself. Like it's up it's definitely up to you mm-hmm. to stay healthy. Um to to whatever that bar is that you're looking to keep for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, this tour that I'm about to do will certainly be the most luxurious accommodations that I've ever had. It'll be the first time I have a, a tech setting up my stuff oh that's so good which is amazing <laughs> you must you be know? like so thrilled like, of course oh, yeah thank yeah. you <laughs> thank you and it's not like you know i'm not bragging it's just it's the reality of the no, situation dude, it's, and it's like it's awesome after man. all this time it's like <laughs> okay there are certain things that i i'm i won't be responsible for this time which begs the question what do you do with all the time if your only responsibilities in the day are to show up for sound check and play the show you're really only talking you're you're basically being paid mm. to be present for like you know let's call it four hours of the day what what about the other 20 hours right yeah you what, know? what do you, how do you structure and it's that? like yeah. if you're driven enough to work on music maybe you've got a portable studio set up and you're setting that up every day and that that becomes your discipline or you work out you make the time either you do it in your your if you have a dressing room you do it in your dressing room or i've been on tours with people who are super health conscious we would we would rent uh passes at a YMCA for the day and you're you're literally investing in your health. Like here's $20 a day so I can go get an hour workout yes. in. So yeah, I I guess the long and short of it is personal responsibility. What I personally do, it kind of fluctuates, you know, I've I've killed so much time uh doing absolutely nothing in dressing rooms over the years and feeling like wow well, what, what am I doing? Like I could be doing anything right now, but I'm just sitting here. And you know, sometimes that's okay because whatever you need to do to put on a great show, like what matters is that you don't forget why you're there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the trap that obviously people really I would imagine fall into. Yeah. It's a really good point you know, though. Remember, because, remember why yeah. you're there. Mm-hmm. Remember why you are here. Well, you hear stories tour. all the time about really talented people that make it on one of these type of things. Mm-hmm. And that's where it happens. The, the chaos and the... Uh, that's generally where it happens because their discipline falls apart or right. they get drunk before the show by accident or... Did, <laughs> by, by accident. accident. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I don't know how that happened. Well, they, you know, they weren't paying attention. They, yeah. they just lost their train sure. of discipline. And uh, I hear a lot of those stories yeah. from people. Yeah, like it's that. a slippery slope. And obviously yeah. it happens. I mean, you know, every... Uh, rock and roll sort of autobiography is is full of it i think those guys were a little bit more intentional in the 70s it seems like <laughs> a little more intentional yeah but yeah i i think look you just um yeah i mean you you've got to know where your line of comfort is and and what you need to get get through the days because it's it's not just the physical part it's obviously so much of it is is mental um because the show is the show and 
that's you know if that's why you're there is presumably to to play music and to connect with people but that that's sort of come down from that i think that's what people have a really the hard time down. with yeah because mm-hmm. like you've got all this high. stored energy mm-hmm. some people uh you know they're looking for you know people to hook up with after the show or they're looking for drugs or alcohol like whatever it is mm-hmm. you know that's those temptations exist for certain people uh i've just never had an issue mm-hmm. with those things and i think the show is always on my mind and then if if I'm heading into a day off, yeah, I'll grant myself a couple of drinks because why not? You know, because I'm not I'm not worried about falling into the abyss because um, mm-hmm. I know myself enough. And if I and if I did, I would know enough to sort of step away and say like, okay, something has shifted. Yeah. Um, and I I recognize that that's easier said than done because I mean that is the slope that people find themselves in, but. Uh, you know, it's not my first rodeo and I've been touring professionally for nine years now. I mean, granted we lost two, but, um, but essentially since, since 2013, you know, that's kind of the mark of like professional touring and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a different thing, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. No, that's really good. Um, we're going to, we're going to end this show, but we got one more song we're going to hit. And uh, tell us about Send Your Light. <clears throat> What's it about? What is it about? Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's about. I think a lot of it's, a lot of it's probably uh, about mortality. And I, I have a lot of observational kind of just, I don't know, whatever I'm reading at that time or just a lot of social things. I'm, I'm really interested in, in people mm-hmm. and um, kind of trying to see things from you know a, a very wide view as opposed to getting siloed into one particular area so i i tend to sort of write from the perspective of looking over here and looking over there and just you know trying to uh make sense of whatever it is um i think the reason i picked this song is because if if i wasn't sure if we we're going to talk about arrangement stuff but two versions of the song exist. And, and this song was one of the, the sort of doors that opened for me personally in terms of recognizing that I wanted to make sure that my stuff wasn't getting too caught up in style and no substance. Because mm-hmm. I love like maximizing the canvas. I love to find every corner and every color possible. Mm-hmm. But then I started to worry like, but is there a, if is you take that song? all away, is, is there a song? A song? There. Yeah, right. And this song was kind of uh, one of my first major exercises in terms of like, I knew what the maximized version was before I knew what the minimal version was. And I had demoed the max, let's call it the maximalized version, uh, long before. And then I started playing these solo shows and I wanted to do the song. And I was like, okay, well, I, want, I have to figure out how to just play this on an acoustic guitar mm. in one voice. Because right. I had done these stacks of vocal harmonies and all yeah. these kind of processed guitars. So people heard the acoustic version before they heard the electric. It was kind of a switch. People would write about the show and say, you played this ballad called Send Your Light. And in my head, I'm like, it's not, it's not a ballad. <laughs> like, Who writes ballads you, anymore? You don't yeah. know because you yeah. haven't heard you know the other version. And, and we released uh, this version as Mick Stein and Miniman, if that's the one we're going to hear. Um, 
yeah, yeah at we'll the, start at with the, the top of top of the year um, this year, and and working with a great producer named Tim Palmer, mm. who uh, among many things uh, as a mix engineer um, did Pearl Jam ten mm. and uh, Mother Love Bone, you know a lot of a lot of stuff in the nineties and in the eighties wow. with like Robert Plant, all the way up to U two and and David Bowie and all sorts of people, just great, great producer and mix engineer. And uh, another person that I'm just super grateful to have met a few years ago, and we've basically done like an album's worth of material together now. Mm. And the really cool thing about Tim is he really listens to what is at the core of the song and all the ideas, and he finds a way to also just add these little touches to it Mm -hmm. um, to bring... Attention right. to certain details, embellishments and, uh, yeah. in the mix process. Um, I love those moments because he's because he's a musician yeah. too. So he, I mean, yeah. if he hears a guitar part, he just grabs a guitar and he, and he puts it in there. Well, and I, and I say go for it. That and just bringing certain things around in the mix, kind of bringing attention to different things, really. Yeah, sharpen the arrangement. Yeah. yeah so I've learned a lot yeah. from. Uh, I suppose the last thing I'll say about working with other people on your stuff. Uh, I'm happy to hand my stuff over to somebody like like Tim because it's like you're you're giving them the purest essence of who you are. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's like an audio autopsy. It's like it's yeah. all here the truth is 100% here. They know exactly what you did. They know if you're hiding something. Mm-hmm. And to give it to somebody like that to have them sort of bring it all together mm-hmm. in those raw goods and kind of blast it out in this, this bigger way than you imagined you it. Imagined. Um, it also goes to just further the reputation that you have and, you know, just continue opening up creative and professional doors to not just feel like your ego, like, I got to do everything. Right. I got to mix right. it. I've got to arrange it. It's got to be my name. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to involve people that I can genuinely man. learn from. Yeah, collaborations. Well, in, in the heart of a producer, he's just, you know, you're a producer. I mean, yeah. you're, you're finding the right people to do the job and parse parse the art correctly and express it. That's yeah. great. I actually so. saw this as kind of a, um, a side note here, but mm-hmm. uh, Muse, mm. for instance, um, I remember hearing that they had been working with producers for their first couple of records. And then mm-hmm. um, the record that had, I think it was Madness on it. I yeah. think they self, I think they self-produced it. They wanted to do everything. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was actually their weakest record mm-hmm. because they took on <laughs> too much. Right. I mean, mix, mixing Muse, like they are doing, it's crazy stuff. But so it's important to collaborate and like, yeah, everyone has their role. Like if you take on so much stuff, like it, first of all, it's going to take longer. Mm-hmm. And and then, yeah, you're just, you're, it's well, plus too you're much not, pressure. You're not objective. And you're not yeah, objective. You get tunnel vision. Yeah. So yeah. it's good to have, if it's like a song mm-hmm. here and there or a smaller project, but if you want to do a full on thing, get other people involved it's it it yeah. allows for more objectivity in that way yeah. so but we should yeah well we should play here is send your light we moving back the silent attack Where and when 
It's a smorgasbord of sound. Smorgasbord of sound. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, we had what audio autopsy and smorgasbord of sound. sound. Uh, unfortunately, we have to close out the show. Yeah, we're going to be here all night. We've been talking for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It can happen when yeah. you invite me. We've, yeah. we've, we've, we've entered the mind of Brandy McStein, it's, and no, we can't find been, our way out. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a maze. It's an endless it corridors. And, it's been yeah. highly engaging. Yes. This has been a really cool episode. Yeah. And just great to have you here and yeah. we wish you the most incredible tour dude mm-hmm. thank <laughs> you seriously. thanks a lot yeah i'm leaving yeah. uh in just a few days and how many tour dates are there uh i think in total it's not it's not that it's a huge tour i think it's about 26 okay. dates but we're going all over the place cuz it's uh it's like yeah. select people want to see mm-hmm. from so many parts of the world yeah mm-hmm. yeah so we'll see what happens but we've got like 11 in the States, uh, we're going down to, to Mexico City and uh, Chile. And then we go over to Europe. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Well, everybody, Randy McStein, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, guys.